Good morning. Welcome to the house. Good morning. How many are glad they came to church on this cold winter day finally that finally came? Amen? It's like, give God a praise clap. Oh, we've had some, in, we've had some incredible uh, times already uh, this morning. I just want to welcome you to North Star, and if you're a guest, thank you for coming. We feel honored that you came this weekend. And uh, this is a place where everybody's welcome, nobody is perfect, and anything is possible. And we believe that here. It's all about connecting people to a growing relationship to Christ and each other. And that is in order to fulfill our God-given purpose. God has given us a purpose, and we can't fulfill it outside of the parameters of coming to church and connecting with God and, and each other. I want to welcome those that are joining us online. It's awesome that you guys have joined us, and we just went live at our Tupelo campus seconds ago. Make some noise for those guys over there. <clears throat> a couple of things before I get started. Uh, one is uh, next week is Christmas. Next Sunday is Christmas. And maybe you're thinking, you mean you go have a church on Christmas? Uh, yeah, yeah. We're going to celebrate Christ on Christmas Day. It's going to be an abbreviated service at each location. It's going to be, in other words, it's going to be short, but it's going to be very, very special. So you don't want to miss that next week at 10 o'clock, 10 o'clock. Trust me, you, you'll be here and out and be able to go to do all the things that you uh, ordinarily would do on Christmas Day. And so that's going to be a very special day. Also, since this is a season of giving, I wanted to say something today about faith commitment giving. Faith commitment giving is a, a giving process where we give above and beyond our normal tithes and offerings to faith commitment, and it does 34 different ministry mission points. One of the ones I want to tell you about is because of your faithfulness to faith commitment giving, we met the year 2016 budget by the end of August. By the end of August. Okay, well, that's not very, that's good, Pastor. I'm not going to clap very much. We met the end of it. We met our entire year budget by the end of August. Praise God. Okay, <laughs> that's better. Sorry about the sarcasm. Um, that's just not in my nature to be sarcastic. Okay, Lord, forgive me before I even stand up here to preach. I've already sinned. All right, um, faith commitment is pretty awesome, though. Uh, I'm not going to take any, much time to, to tell about all the different things that it's done this year, but, man, it's been incredible. But one of the things that faith commitment does, we, we are friends and support um, a couple of different pastors in the Philippines. And I, I just want to say that um, it's, it's very common for a pastor to make maybe at the very most a, a couple of hundred dollars a month. We, most of us spent more on groceries this past week or two weeks than that. That's what they make. So yeah, but it's the cost of living over there. You, man, your heart is like blinded. Gas is two bucks a gallon. Don't tell me that. I, I go, I know. And so these guys, God... Uh, 
saw fit that we put that as a part of faith commitment. And because of your faithful giving to faith commitment this year, we're going to actually give them a Christmas gift that's, that's like more than they make in a, in a month. Thank you for your giving. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? Yeah. So we do, there's a lot of stuff that we do with faith commitment, and uh, next year is going to be even better, and I can't wait to until we, we reveal that to you as well. All right, we are glad that you're here, and I want to ask you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Matthew's Gospel. We're just going to dive right on in. Matthew chapter 1, beginning with verse 18. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Open your Bibles, or turn them on, or just look at the screen. Are you glad you came today? Good. Verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Verse 20. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has said through the prophets, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. He gave him the name Jesus. Uh, in, verse, uh, in verse 23, it says that they shall call him Emmanuel, God with us. I just want to say, I am so glad that God is God and he's reigning over us. It's comforting to know. I can go through my day knowing God is looking down on me. He's, he's reigning. He is King of kings and Lord of lords. In fact, I said that this morning as I prayed. Oh, God, you are Alpha and Omega. You're the the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I am so glad this Christmas that God is reigning over us. I'm glad that he is beneath us. I'm glad that, that he catches us when we fall. I'm glad that he redeems us from the pit. I'm glad that he is, a, he is my foundation. And I can, I can face whatever I face this coming week knowing that I'm standing on the rock Not the rock of Gibraltar, but the rock of Jesus, all right? He is my rock and my salvation. But I'm especially glad that the Bible says he is God with us. I get up in the morning and I go to work and and I, I live my life and I do the things and I do the stuff and I know that God's reigning over me and I know that God is beneath me, but guess what? He is in me. He is with me. 
And I can face whatever comes against me. I can face it. I can handle it. Not in my own strength, but I can handle it because God is with me. Hello? God is with me. This was a very confusing Christmas. We celebrate it. It's awesome. We read the Christmas story. But it was very confusing, particularly to Joseph. We talked about Mary last week and how God sent an angel to speak to her and say, Mary, uh, you're going to have a baby. You've been planning for a wedding. <laughs> um, plan for a baby shower, girl, because you, you're about to, what's in you is, is conceived by the Holy Spirit. Now, and so Joseph had not got an angel. How many want God to speak clearly to them? Look, I don't know about you. I need, I need God to speak to me, right? Whether it's through the Word, whether it's through somebody else, whether it's through circumstances, I need God. I need Him to speak to me. But here was Joseph up until this point. The angel had, you know, hadn't talked to him. As far as we know, they hadn't been talking. And now she is expecting a child, and Joseph was really confused. I believe that there are those listening to me right now. Because of the circumstances of your life or the direction your life has taken, you're confused. And you don't know what you're seeing is what, what it is. And God's message for you today is, it's not what it looks like. Say that with me. It's not what it looks like. Say it again. It's not what it looks like. Look to your neighbor right now and say, it's not what it looks like. It's not what it looks like. I know that Joseph was confused. He was disturbed. He was disillusioned. He was probably depressed, angry, upset, because he didn't know what was going on. He needed a word from God that he hadn't gotten a word from God. He was living his life by his senses, and this is what I know. You may want to write this in your notes. Sometimes when we just live our lives by our senses, what we see, smell, hear, touch, that which is going on around, if we just live our lives by our senses, we miss what God is doing by his spirit. We could just pack up and go home right there. This is important, y'all. If we just live lives by our senses, because I hear people say, Ooh, I don't, I'm not feeling it. I remember a time when I was on fire for Jesus Christ and I was going to church and I was serving. But I'm just not feeling it. I'm telling you, if you're just living your life by your feelings, you're going to miss what God is trying to say to you through his spirit. I know it was embarrassing for Joseph. How many are embarrassed easily? Raise your hand. The rest of you are embarrassed. Now raise your hand if, if you get embarrassed easily. I, I do. I'll be first. Let me see the hands. Yeah, of course you do. A lot of us do. Uh, men, I'm a man, so I've learned this about men. Men, when they're humiliated, don't know how to handle 
humiliation. Now, this is true for women too, some women, but mostly men, most men, uh, when they're humiliated, they don't know how to handle humiliation. So, uh, oh, and something else that I've noticed, when, when a man is humiliated, and, or if we find somebody who, who's easily embarrassed, it's like a big, ginormous target because people know that they're embarrassed easily, so they whew, embarrass them. I never would do that. No, really. I'm just not the kind of guy that would, would be a bully or pick on anybody, but people do that, and I get embarrassed easily uh, also. And I found that when men especially get embarrassed, they don't know how to handle it, so they get angry. I'm sure Joseph, to some degree, was angry. Angry at the fact that his wife was expecting, hey, what's up with this? I mean, it's not me. So he was humiliated. A lot of times when men are humiliated, they don't know how to deal with humiliation, so they get angry. Maybe your man is angry because he's being humiliated all the time, maybe by you or others. That's, that's all of the psychology lesson for the day, but that, I, I'm telling you, I know what I'm talking about. One time I was standing in front of a church uh, welcoming people to church, and uh, I had just bought this brand new cashmere. I know I sounded slick when I said that, but I don't know what cashmere is. But it was a cashmere jacket. I really don't. You could tell me later. And I'm standing there, there, you know, men, women will show off their shoes and their new um, clothes or jewelry. Men were so prideful. I'm really not that way much, but I know you are. Men are so prideful, they don't, they don't like tell people. Women say, you know, no shame at all. Ooh, what do you think about my new? You know, men will do that. Huh. So I'm standing there hoping somebody would notice my new cashmere sports jacket. And the guy walks up and he says, Preacher, got you a new jacket there. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm, it's working. I said, uh, huh, how did you know? He said, you still got the tag on the sleeve there. <laughs> so humiliating. One time I was sitting in a seminary class, and uh, I crossed my legs, and I looked down at my black socks in case anybody was looking for a Christmas gift for me. Don't get me blue socks, pink socks, striped socks. Give me black socks. Looking at my black socks and there was a, a pink thread wrapped around it. And I thought, how weird is this? I hope nobody sees this. Ooh, I'm going to pick that thing off and whoo, drop it to the floor. So I reach down and I pull on it and I and I start pulling, and I feel it up my leg. It's in my, anyway, and I'm pulling it, and I'm thinking, people are, people are starting to look. This is embarrassing, and I get embarrassed easily. So what am I supposed to do? Get up with half of the pink string still in my clothes, or just keep pulling? I keep pulling. Man, it's like this much. And I'm thinking, what do I do with it? I'm going to put it in my book. And I put it in my book, my book goes, <laughs> so embarrassing. I got angry about that too. I got on the phone, 
Probably not. I probably didn't have a cell phone then. But uh, what, if, you, if you're going to wash my clothes, don't put pink stuff. People think I'm, I'm anyway. I didn't because I'm such a loving husband and patient. But we get embarrassed easily. I'm thinking about some other times that I get embarrassed, but I'm not going to even tell you about them. Um, this is what I have found, is Joseph must have really been embarrassed. What a humiliating time, and easily he would humiliate, but in his humiliation, he did not humiliate because it was more than, this is what I have found. If you just read the Christmas story, and our family reads the Christmas story every year. We sit around, the family's growing, and uh, we sit around and read. This is a good tradition to start. I learned this from my in-laws, and we, we start with verse 1, and we read the entire Christmas story, one verse at a time. We keep passing the Bible around until we finish reading it. Then we share what we're thankful for, and then we pray. And then we open up the presents. If you just read the Bible, if you just read the Christmas story without feeling it, I know it's not all about feelings, okay? But if you just read the Christmas story without feeling what, like what really went on in the Christmas story, you'll miss the narrative that God wants you to receive. You're going to miss something. If you just do it because it's tradition and, or it's the thing to do, I've read the Christmas story uh, over the past several weeks several times, trying to feel it and, and get into it. And I'm thinking, here is Joseph. How embarrassed he must have been. Verse 18, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. Her mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. I think it's a very interesting thing. She was found to be pregnant. She was found to be pregnant. We have no record that, okay, the angel came to Mary, and then Mary left town for several months. And we have no record of her saying, we have no record of her getting with Joseph and saying, Joseph, man, you ain't going to believe what's, what the angel said. Ooh, I don't even believe it. I don't know how that could happen. And uh, pray for me. Pray for me, dude, because... I don't know. We have no record of that. So she goes away for several months, and the Bible says she was found to be pregnant. It's, it's not like it caught her. It did catch her by surprise, but it was not like, it was like, okay, her body was changing, and whoa, she's showing, and she was found to be pregnant. She wasn't hiding, but she was found to be pregnant. Joseph comes walking up. Joseph, look, please believe me. Uh, please believe me. I haven't cheated on you. I can't explain it. What I have found is that um, sometimes we don't have the vocabulary to explain what's going on. You know what I'm saying? 
Mary did not have the vocabulary to explain what was going on inside of her. She was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. She had, how do you, she's divinely pregnant, supernatural pregnant. How am I going to explain it pregnant? I don't understand it pregnant. And so she didn't have the vocabulary to really articulate what was going on in her. And the same is true in our lives. When God's doing something in our lives, when he's doing a work in our lives, he's changing us. The Bible says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. And if you're a new creation, he's constantly changing you. You have ups and downs. You fail. You fall. But he picks you up because he's beneath you. He rains down over you, but he's with you. And because he is with you, he starts changing you, sanctifying you, setting you apart. Somebody says, man, something different about you. You just don't have, you, you try. You, you, so I, I go to that church and they, they sing that, whoo, it's, it's incredible music. It's like upbeat. Uh, it's like praise music. It's some you hear on the radio, but it's so worshipful. And the guy that's speaking, like he is incredible. Which church you go to? Anyway, um, you don't have the vocabulary sometimes to explain how God is working in your life. You, you read the scripture, and, you, and God says, whoo, he like hits you between the eyes. How do you explain to somebody at the next workstation at work? It's hard. Our vocabulary uh, doesn't do that. Then, something incredible happens. Verse 19 says, Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. Isn't that something? This is a great man, Joseph. He was humiliated but did not want to humi humiliate. And so verse 19 goes on to say, he didn't want to expose her to public disgrace. He had in mind to divorce her quietly. But guess what happens next? An angel of the Lord comes to him. Well, it's about time. The angel of the Lord had already come to Mary, now to Joseph. And the angel of the Lord speaks to him. He was humiliated but did not humiliate. It's interesting that um, that the Lord put Joseph to sleep. And I'm going to talk a little more about that, but first I want you to write this in, in your notes. And that is that this, the fact that the angel came separately to Joseph, and like I said, we have no record that they had talked, she had been gone, she was found pregnant, she was showing, and then the angel of the Lord comes to Joseph. This tells me that you have to have an, a personal encounter yourself. You have to have an encounter with God. I can't have it for you. I can wish it for you. I can pray for you. But I can't have that encounter. You have to experience it. You have to have an encounter with God. If you've been going to church and you've been like resting on the coattails of your wife's Christianity or your children's spirituality, that's not going to get it. That's not going to cut it. You have to have a relationship yourself. So the angel puts, Joseph is asleep. I've found that oftentimes God puts us to sleep or knocks us out in order to get through to us. 
Joseph's thinking his own thoughts. I'm thinking about Adam and Eve. I mean, the greatest gift that God ever gave up until that point was, was Eve. Adam was hanging out with the animals, the gazelles, the elephants, the giraffes. Doesn't know what a woman looks like because there wasn't a woman. God puts him to sleep, takes a rib out of his side, creates Eve. Wakes up, says, whoa, whoo, better than animals. But he had to put him to sleep. Sometimes God has to do drastic things in order to get through to us. Some of us are tougher to get through than, to, than others. Can I get an amen? My wife and all the church said amen. And so God speaks to Joseph, and God says, Joseph, you've been thinking about divorcing her. You've been thinking about humiliating her. But now that you have come to the end of your thought process, and you thought your thoughts, won't you listen to my thoughts? And Joseph welcomed what God was saying through the angel. He said, Joseph, now that you've tried to do what you can do without me, hey, would you be willing to, to let me weigh in on the situation? And so God speaks to Joseph. He was humiliated but didn't humiliate. He could have been ashamed of her. He could have said, I deserve a wife who is faithful. And I think this is a beautiful picture of our Heavenly Father. I think it's a picture of our Father in Heaven, our God, who says He looks at us and He sees us, uh, He sees our sins, He sees our problem, He sees our disease. Even the Bible says our righteousness is as filthy rags, says the Lord. There's none righteous, no, not one. But I, I, I believe that God is... It's not ashamed of us. One of the passages that I want to read that it's in Galatians chapter 3, verse 10. It's, it says, For all who rely on the works of the law are under the curse, as it is written, Curses everyone who does not continue in everything written in the book of the law. I'm reading it quick because I want to get to a key passage. He says, Clearly no one relies on the law. It's justified before God we're nothing without God. We're nothing without God. If you came this weekend thinking you're something you're not without God, you need God. Clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. This is the part I really wanted to get to. Christ redeemed us. Say that with me. Redeemed. Bought back. Paid the price. While we were still sinners, Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He redeemed us. I don't care how religious you are, you need redeeming. He redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. God opened up the doors of heaven, stroll down the staircase from heaven with a baby Jesus in his arms. And Jesus came perfect, sinless, born of the Virgin Mary, lived a sinless life, but died a sinner's death. He bore the curse. What's the curse? The curse is death. When Adam and Eve sinned against God, that was their death sentence. 
There had never been sickness. There had never been death until this time, until Adam and Eve disobeyed God. And then the Bible says from that day forward, sin has been in the world. For it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. One version says, who is hung on a pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come on the Gentiles. Who's the Gentiles? Unless you're a Jew, you're a Gentile. Through Christ Jesus. So that by faith we might receive the promise, the promise of the Spirit. This tells me, and you might want to write this one down, God's grace is shameless toward me. God's grace is shameless. God doesn't look at Terry Ledbetter and says, oh, I'm so ashamed of you. I'm going to hide you. He loves me. He sent Jesus to die for me. His love, his grace is shameless. Another way to say it, is your God is unembarrassable. I just lost some of you because you're thinking, I don't even think that's a word. It may not be. Uh, it is now. Uh, spell check wouldn't let me put it in. But do you get the point? If God can use a perfect word, can he use an imperfect word? His love, your God, is unembarrassable. There's, you're saying, oh, but I've done too much. <laughs> you don't know how bad I've been. You don't know the mistakes that I've made. His love, you can't embarrass God. I don't know what your week this past week or this past month has looked like for you. Some people don't come to church because of the things that they've done during the week and they're embarrassed to come before God, coming into the presence of God. And so when they try to reform, they start striving, striving, striving. I'll do this, I'll do this, I'll do this, and then maybe God will accept me. Maybe God will give me another chance. Some of the greatest gifts in life do not come through our striving and ambition. But they come when we stop striving and let God. Stop. Stop trying to do this, do that, work this, work that. Stop striving. Some of the greatest gifts, and this is one of them, when, come when we stop striving and, and let God be God. But pastor, you just don't know. I, I'm going through a season of my life right now that's like jacked up. I have made some wrong choices, some wrong decisions. I, but I want to do what's right. But sometimes, even right now, some of you came to church today thinking your life is over. It's not going to ever get any better. There is no light at the end of the tumble. There is a wall that you cannot get over. Oftentimes, what seemed like is what the end, what seems what is the end, is really the beginning with God. I've often said it's, it's on, on the stage or the platform of my weakness that God displays his power and his strength. And 
so many times what we think is the end is really the beginning with God. Another way to say it is um, don't put a period where God has put a comma. That was worth the gas money of coming to church today in the, in the cold. I like it now. God, God I'm, I'm petitioning you. I'm interceding. I'm, supplication is taking place. Supplication is when you ask God for something. God, I was, I was, I don't know the right term, the right word for this. I was supplicating this morning. I was asking God for some things, and I said, oh, God. And when I asked God for some things, I, like I'm wanting them now, I preach that you have to have a, a crockpot mentality, but sometimes I live with a microwave mentality. And so, even in your relationships, maybe something that you're dealing with in your finances, with your marriage, or with your future, you're thinking, it's over. <laughs> Might as well put a period there and start over. Don't put a period when God puts a comma. Trust him. Trust him. I started today by talking about God's love is, is shameless toward us. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. But I want to tell you something. I say this a lot. It's familiar to, to many of you. Forgiveness is, is available, but it's not automatic. God wants to forgive you. He wants to give you eternal life, but it's not automatic. You've got to receive the gift. Let me say it this way. Open the box. Open the box. God says to Joseph, Joseph, I have got a gift for you. What I'm doing inside of her is going to be saving the world. Wouldn't it be crazy that you wouldn't open the gift because you didn't like the box? Joseph could have said, I'm ashamed of her. I'm divorcing her. I'm putting her away. Open the box. I mean, seriously. If I say, look, guess what? Guess what, sweetheart, to my wife? Not to you. Guess what's in the driveway? A brand new Lexus. Well, number one, that ain't happening. But, and she walks out there and it doesn't have that real big, beautiful, one end to the other, side to side, big red bow on top. I don't like it. I don't like it. Because it's not wrapped with a bow? You don't want a Lexus? I give a diamond and, and I don't like how it's wrapped. Joseph could have said, I don't like how this is going down. I don't understand it. Of course, the angel of the Lord, God got through to him. But I want to tell you today, you got to open the box. Well, I'm, uh, I'm, I am trying to reform. I'm trying to attend church more often in 2017. Well, good for you. But I've got news for you. You can have a religious appearance. In other words, you can go to mass, you can go to church, you can come to North Star, you can give money, you can put money in the bucket when it comes by. Please do. But keeping up a religious appearance, wow, I was sprinkled. That's a done deal, man, back then. I didn't know what was going on, it was a done deal. I joined a church, good for you. My wife's really involved. My husband's really involved. Amen.
you can have a religious experience and still have a heart that's dead toward God. You can have a religious experience but still have a heart that's dead toward God. In other words, you can, you can do all these things, do this, do that, and still be lost. Open the box. It's not about keeping up appearances. It's about experiencing Him. I ain't got anything for religion, all right? I study religion and all that. I have a relationship. He's reigning over me. He's beneath me, but He's with me. I experience Him on a day-by-day basis. And you can Let's bow our heads together. I'm going to ask, we're not going to be here for just a couple of more minutes. I'm going to ask that nobody gets up or moves around during this time. This this is a sacred moment. I promise you, you're going to have time to get to where you need to go. Just hang tight. If you have never invited Jesus into your heart, into your life, I want to give you an opportunity right now. Just pray this from your heart. Dear God, I call on the name of the Lord today. I know that I have sinned. I believe that Jesus died for my sins on the cross and he rose from the grave. I repent and turn from my sins and I turn to Jesus. I put my trust in you. Come into my life. I follow you today. Now, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. This is a crucial moment. Some of you made that decision. Would you thank him right now and just say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for coming into my life and helping me to open the box. I'm going to ask that every head is bowed, every eye is closed. But if you prayed that prayer with me, nobody else is looking, just me and your campus pastor. But if you prayed that prayer, I'm not going to ask you to stand up or walk forward or anything else. But just so I can know that you made that decision today, if you prayed that prayer, would you slip up your hand? The reason I ask you to do that is because Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me before men, I'll be ashamed of you before my Father. You're not like going totally public here, but at least let me know that you prayed to receive Christ. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, would you slip up your hand and then put it back down? Yeah, just slip it up. Yep, I see it. Yep, I see it. Put it back down. I see that one. See that one. See that one. Now, if you prayed that prayer, putting your trust in Jesus Christ, giving him your heart and life, whether you raise your hand or not, I'm going to ask that you take the, the tear off, the card on the bottom of your handout. And if you didn't get one, there's one in the seat pocket, a card. And I want you to fill that out. And if you'll bring it to guest services at both of our campuses, we have a book. It's a gift to give you that will help you in your devotion life. It'll help you to grow, to become more like God wants you to be. So please do that today. Maybe your prayer today as a believer is, oh God, help me. Thank you for teaching me today not to just read the story but to feel it and to understand it thank you for the reminder that your grace is shameless toward me 
thank you that you're the greatest gift of all. Now, God bless you for coming this weekend. I'm going to pray for everybody like I always do. And when I say amen, there's going to be a raise the roof closing time of worship. Hang around for that. It's just a couple minutes long, but it's, it's awesome. And we love you, and we hope that you have an incredible Christmas this year. Would you stand with me? Let me just pray for you, and uh, I'll be praying for you this week. Many of you you'll be traveling, and may God bless you this season. We'll see you next week. Don't, don't leave. Listen to this song. Father, I pray for every person here, and I pray, God, that you would take these closing moments, and it, not, it would not just be a time where people are anxious to get out or to go get a cup of coffee or to go to lunch, but God... Bring the service to completion and be glorified in the song as we sing about joy and Jesus. God, thank you for the message today from the Bible. God, thank you for teaching us to be Bible people and Jesus people. And God, I pray today that uh, you just take these closing moments and just be glorified in it. And then after we dismiss, God, help us to hang around and fellowship with one another and uh, love one another. Bless this time, oh God, I pray in Jesus' name.